The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and I'm going to start with a, a series of commercials, actually, because I just came back from a place that actually has live TV, which I don't have at the house. I've cut all the cables. I do all streaming stuff. So I don't get a whole lot of ads, but I saw an ad for Direct TV this past week. And I'm not advocating the use of direct TV because, quite frankly, I think it's crap. But <laughs> they did have a great ad this week where they had a couple sitting, you know, man and a woman sitting on a couch talking about how direct TV has, you know, a great lineup of things they can watch. We can watch, uh, you know, we can watch Ghostbusters. And the guy goes, no, or we could watch baseball. And she goes, Ghostbusters. He goes, baseball. No Ghostbusters, no baseball. And all of a sudden, the remote fritzes. And on the screen, we get a picture of a baseball stadium being attacked by, it's not the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It is the Cincinnati Reds mascot from like the 1850s. Only in Stay Puft Marshmallow size. And I thought, okay, where are they going with this? And then Ecto-1, only it's gotten a, it was renamed, and I can't remember what it was called on the license plate. Ecto-1 drives out on the field, and the Ghostbusters get out, only it's, you know, they're wearing the suits and the the proton packs. It's not the Ghostbusters. It's David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, and Ken Griffey Jr. And they end up, you know, using the proton packs, crossing the streams, and going after the, the Cincinnati Reds mascot, which I think is hilarious. It turns out there's another one of them where they recreate the Ghostbusters advertisement for the the, the phone call thing. You know, are you tired of cr- creatures in the in your attic at night? Only it's are you tired of your cable company? But they yeah. redo the whole ad. If you get the opportunity to, to see these, watch them. They're funny as hell, especially if you like baseball. It's 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 a great thing that I saw this week. A- have you seen these? I have seen them, and I don't know how Randy Johnson fit in the vehicle, but... but I have a clue. Because he's tall. Uh, yeah, they're hilarious. Hey, they're are there just two of them, or are there more than two? Well, I just... Actually, I've only seen one, so... Oh. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they're better than most of the things we watch, but they are better than many of the things that we watch, because... They're better than the, some of the stuff I'll be talking about in a little while. <laughs> <clears throat> sad, in a way. Actually, yeah, I suspect fine. that those are going to be better than uh, this forthcoming movie from Sony. And yes, I'm bringing it up because we talk about the MCU a lot. And Spider-Man is part of that, even though the Spider-Man movies are kind of made by Sony. Well, totally. Sony has decided to spin off. And I think you've seen Venom at some point. If you're listening to this show, you've seen Venom, I'm pretty sure. Um and you've heard us talk about Morbius and how it was hideous. Well, brace yourself. They're doing another Spider-Man villain, and they've already screwed it up. Um, they're doing a film for Craven the Hunter. Yes, they are. Which, Craven is a really, really good Spider-Man villain. And I was looking forward to seeing what they would do with this until... <clears throat> Until there was a conversation this week with the film star Aaron Taylor Johnson, who said that Craven the Hunter is one of Marvel's most iconic, notorious anti-heroes, Spider-Man's number one rival. Eh, maybe. Uh, he's not an alien or a wizard. He's just a hunter, a human with conviction. And here's the part where they lose everybody. 
an animal lover and protector of the natural world. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you exactly just look at a picture opposite. of the guy? He's covered in the furs of the animals he's killed. What the hell exactly. do you mean? The opposite of Craven the Hunter's character. That's really funny. I can get why they want to update him, maybe because it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid. But they want to make all of the anti of the Spider-Man villains anti-heroes now, which is why they're doing the anti-hero version of Venom, which that works because that's yeah. actually been done in the comics. Right. But you can't do it with every freaking character. But that's what they want to do because. People are more likely to go to the movies to watch a hero succeed than a villain win, is their th- is their theory. Which <coughs> Joker, one of the, <coughs> yeah, Joker. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that uh, Morbius is so awful because they tried to do that. Other than there's myriad other reasons that Morbius is awful, but clearly, if Sony wants to get any of these movies right, they need to be Sony. And Marvel Studios co-productions because those are the only movies that Sony gets right seems seems to be. Or, because Venom is like eh, it's mildly entertaining. Venom, there will be carnage, or this was carnage, or oh my god, why am I watching carnage? That was really bad. And Jesus, they would they it kill these people to actually read the books they're trying to make movies out of? They well, as you pointed out, they haven't even seen the covers. Uh, obviously not. <laughs> it's like, at least yeah. Fox looked at the covers of the X Men books before they made them. This, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I that's just stupid. It's just make a movie about a freaking villain, like you said. Joker is not made out to be an antihero. Joker did really well. That, uh, not that that's really even part of the DCU, which is one of the reasons why it worked because they didn't try to shoehorn it into their horrible world building job that they did after they left Mr. Dolan. It just seems that it would be really easy to get a comic book movie right, doesn't it? I mean, you have, you've got the template for the character over, in a lot of cases, hundreds of stories. Yep. And, you know, in this case, didn't even look at the damn cover. <laughs> like, how can you screw that up so badly? Well, we're going to do a different spin on it. It's like, just make a different character. Because it is a different character if that's what you're doing. That's exactly. It's it's the anti-Craven. How do mm-hmm. you... Let's see. That would be... Uh, Navark, if you pronounce it backwards. <laughs> Which I think I would rather see now. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, well, the comment that... And of course, God, I hope he doesn't really think that. I hope he's just hyping the film, but... Seriously, where's Craven on the list of Spidey foes? Like fifth, sixth, maybe? Maybe. I'm, I mean, I'll give him top ten. Yeah, top ten for sure. But that's it. Um, like Screen Goblin, Stock Ock. I mean, you know, come on, that's. Just, I might even put Electro above him at this point, but Electro above him. Vulture definitely goes above him. Rhino Mysterio definitely goes above him. Rhino definitely goes above him. Scorpion probably. And really, J. Jonah Jameson with a spider lizard. killer robot. The, the the wonderfully named Lizard. Isn't, isn't that... You've got to come up with a better name for him than... Oops. Yeah, at best, lizard. he's like seventh, at best. He's like, he's not the top rival. Never was. No one freaking thinks that. And I doubt... Shohei Otani is probably on the list higher than Craven at this point. I'm just... If he's upset with spiders, he definitely would be. 
See, there you go. I'm just was trying to wedge him in the show somewhere. We talked about him in pre-pro. Hi, Ted. Ted oh is God, probably yeah, higher on the list at this point. Now, Ted likes Spidey. I don't think Ted would be. Oh, okay. But, but that's, that's kind of buff. Ted could handle himself if he and Spidey ever had to throw down. Uh, I appreciate also the fact that you work in Wedge. Wedge Wedge would just shoot him and be done with it, and we'd be, you know. <laughs> Which would put him very low on the list, because there wouldn't be any kind of a fun rivalry. <laughs> no, yeah, just, you know, what is that red dot on that building? I'll take it out. Hang on a minute. <laughs> that, that, would never, Wedge would never attack Spidey, though. He's a good boy. Oh, Wedge, maybe. We'll get to some other Star Wars stuff in a minute. Yes, we will. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, will we? Um, other bit of news that I've found in the past two weeks. Yeah, sorry we missed last week. Life happened or something. Anyway, New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Animation have said that they're going to be doing a Lord of the Rings anime. Really? It's supposed to come out next year called The War of the Rohirrim. That's uh, going to be directed by Kenji Kamiyama. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, the film is going to be set 183 years because 180 or 200. <laughs> no, specific. <laughs> oddly specific, 183 years before the original trilogy of films. And it centers around the fate of the House of Helm Hammerhand and the Mighty King of Rohan, voiced by Brian Cox. Now, I'm guessing that is Brian Cox, the actor, not the astrophysicist. Yeah, Although, the, the astrophysicist, he, he's kind of hot. We could, we, could, we, could, we could do that. It, well, actually, no, if it was live, we could do that. If he has a hot voice, it would still work. He, he has this, I don't know, he has a meander, the, the astrophysicist has a meandering voice. But then again, he's an astrophysicist. They kind of meander anyway. Yeah, true. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think it's... And the only reason I brought him up is because I, I saw a thing recently where they... Apparently he was on uh, People Magazine's Hottest, Sexiest People Ever or something. But they created an astrophysicist category just for him so they could wedge him in somewhere. Again with the wedge. Which is... Which is <laughs> the well, wedge episode. <laughs> It's it's the Wedge episode. Wedge could have made the original, uh, well, not the original trilogy. The original trilogy was just fine. It's the prequels that Wedge could have made considerably better. I could have made them considerably better. Okay, let, let's let's talk about this for a minute because I did rewatch the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And Attack of the Clones, I didn't have that many problems with, but I'll get to that in a minute because that's the second movie, the first one, Phantom Menace. I made a list of uh, things I have a problem with. A lot of people in The Phantom Menace, and there's going to be spoilers, but come on. The movie came out, what, 24, 23, 24 years ago? Something. If you haven't seen it by now, that's not my fault. So anyway, the Trade Federation people, right? The big thing about this was they said that a lot of the voices made fun of ethnicities, and they said, oh, the Trade Federation people sound Asian and they're making fun of Asian people. I always thought the Trade Federation people sounded kind of like Speedy Gonzalez on Quaaludes. <laughs> that might just be me. Maybe they sound Asian. You know what? They're aliens. Some aliens might sound Asian. 
It could happen. Now, yes, the Trade Federation people were idiots anyway, as evidenced by their inability to find the Gungan City. Because uh, that's where Jar Jar took Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon was to the Gungan City where they could hide from the, the big robots. And it, it, it's hidden because it's underwater, because scanners can't penetrate water, apparently. <laughs> I, I, that's yeah. my guess, anyway. I don't really understand that. Um, and as I'm, wa- but I'm, as I'm watching the, the underwater scenes, I'm reminded of the Star Wars sounds, which was a series that uh, Disney Plus did, where they just played the sound effects that the scenes were had. They took out the uh, vocals. They took out the music. It was just the sounds. And the sounds that they did in this under these underwater scenes was beautiful. But as I'm rewatching the movie, they've covered almost all of them with the music. Now, the music's not bad, but the sounds were better. It would be nice to have had the sound effects back in there. Anyway, the, uh, we have the invasion of Naboo scene where, for some reason... I'm guessing Naboo is actually just the one city on the planet because we don't see anything other than the Gungan city. But the invasion force landed, what, 15, 20 miles away from the city? Land in the city. (laughs) I mean, we get these scenes where they're marching and driving hover tanks and troop carriers miles at really slow speed toward the city. Now, you'd think in that amount of time, they could have said, look, troops are coming. Maybe we should put up our shields or start some kind of resistance. There was no resistance at all whatsoever. I could have conquered the city, just walked in and said, I'm taking over. Because that's they just kind of, oh, rolled over and went, oh, go right ahead. Anyway, Queen Amidala, I've always called her Armadillo because it's more fun. Anyway, they get on their on their ship well there's another reason for that because like an armadillo eventually she just curls up and dies well that's true but that's in the third movie we're doing spoilers for that anyway (laughs) they get on their ship which is made out of mirrors as near as i can tell because they'll never find that in space um they're flying toward the blockade of of naboo and the and of course they get shot and the first thing that gets hit is the shield generator. Were their shields not up? I mean, that, 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 that scene makes no sense at all. You know, you're not flying toward a heavily armed blockade going, should we put the shields up? No, you put the shields up, and then the shield generator can't get hit because the shields are up. No. Bam, first thing that gets hit. And that's where we get R2 from. Wow. Anyway, we ended up landing on Tatooine. Where we get to, where we're introduced to Anakin and Shmi Skywalker. Fine. And they're slaves. They're owned by Watu, the apparently Jewish, pardon, what, is he? Aliens can sound like whatever they want to sound like anyway. Um, And I I am not by any chance promoting slavery. But you got to admit that what Shmi and Anakin were given is not a bad, not a bad thing, really. They've got to have a, they've got a huge house. 
to live in, just the two of them. And how big is this house? It's big enough to hide a pod racer in because Watto didn't know it. And that thing is huge. Where was Annie hiding this thing? Oh, it's in the garage. The garage? You're a slave and you have a garage? How did that happen? Wow. Anyway, uh, let's see. Fast forward to uh, the scene where Qui-Gon tricks Watto into giving up either Shmi or Anakin. Well, he's going to throw his chance cube, which is a six-sided die that allegedly, I think what they wanted to show was that it has three blue sides and three red sides. But if you see him roll it, it has five red sides and one blue side. That's not much of a chance cube. That's a cheating at best, (laughs) I'm thinking. If anyone has another option, let me know. Um, Let's see. Oh, here's another thing for the slave stuff. Did you know slaves were allowed to build their own personal droids? That's clever. Uh, Annie made C-3PO, and he loves him. He's a protocol droid to help mom out. He's so special. Wait a minute. I've been freed by C-3PO. I mean, bam, that abrupt. He has several scenes where I love my C-3PO. I love my, and then I'm free. Bye. See ya. And that's it. It's a bit cold for the little kid, I'm thinking. But as they make their way back to the mirror ship that is leaving, Qui-Gon is jumped by Darth Maul, which could have been a really good scene, but they kind of cut it short. Obi-Wan and Anakin are in the cockpit of the ship, which flies over them. They open a door. Qui-Gon jumps into it and off they fly. Now, here's my problem with this scene is that, like I said, Obi-Wan and Anakin are in the cockpit of the ship. The cockpit of the ship is flying toward Qui-Gon. When they open the door, he jumps in the ship. That puts the cockpit on his right. But when Obi-Wan and Anakin run into the scene, they run in from a door on his left. So somewhere between when they say, go get him, and when he actually jumps in the ship, they decide to go check out the engines. They're coming in from the wrong side of the... Anyway, I'm being picky. Because I can. You know what else I want to be picky about? Is the title of the movie. Because Phantom Menace, I suppose it kind of works. But when we get to meet the Jedi Council, Samuel L. Jackson has a better title. We're going to work out the Mystery of the Sith. Mystery of the Sith is a much better title than Phantom Menace. But speaking of... I'm just saying. And uh, let's see, while we're at it, with the Jedi and everything, they introduced the midi-chlorians. The midi-chlorians live between the atoms, and that's how the Force works. My And a lot of people had a problem with that. I don't really. Because, I mean, is that so hard to believe that that's how that works? You know what? It's not mentioned again. But I will point out that the midi-chlorian scanner that they used earlier in the movie, that is lifted straight from Akira. So I'm wondering if they actually, you know, Star Wars and Akira, same universe. Hmm. And while, you know, also while we're at it, Coruscant looks almost exactly like Gidi Prime. So Akira, Dune, Star Wars, all the same universe as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> really, all of it. Oh, uh, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, going back to Naboo, the Trade Federation says, yes, there's rebels, but we can't find them anywhere. I'm, I'm telling you, they need better scanners. They're the Trade Federation. They can probably get them somewhere. They can't go underwater. They can't go. There's people hiding in the trees over there. No, oh, can't find those. 
Well, and as we see in the Star Wars universe, it, at least in some iterations, the ability to scan, whether it's through midichlorians that give you force powers or technical technological scanners, really inconsistent. Very. Really inconsistent. Well, you want some inconsistencies. So, for the What's sake incons- of Sorry. plot devices. Anyway. Yeah, uh, inconsistency. At the beginning of the movie, there's a big blockade around Naboo, but in the final scene, where the hell did this blockade go? There is a ship. Mm-hmm. A, singular. W- where did that go? Um, and while they're dealing with that, there's a, a fi- uh, I'm going to call it a fairly good lightsaber scene. It is really good up until the ending, where you've got you know, Obi-Wan dangling in a pit and Darth Maul not killing him for some reason, just kind of taunting him with sparks. Goldberg dealt with that as he walked in. Why can't Obi-Wan anyway? <laughs> Goldberg would be an awesome Jedi. Goldberg would have been an awesome Jedi, yes. I still could be. Um, but then we get that, that speech at the end that Yoda and Mace Windu have while they're trying to figure out whether Darth Maul is a Sith. Well, he must be a Sith. And always, too, there are a master and an apprentice. Well, Darth Maul just got cut in half. So either there's just one left, or if you want to be picky, there's three. At this point, there are not two. (laughs) I'm just saying. There's a lot of inconsistencies. But you know what? The movie was a necessary bit to start everything off. It's a good primer for everything in that there's inconsistencies all over the place. But that's okay. It gives you an idea of how this universe works in that it doesn't very well. But that's okay. Yes, I I did not mention Jar Jar in this. Jar Jar, I think, unfortunately, is a necessary character type to have because they need someone to do something stupid in the Senate later to turn him, turn Palpatine from a senator into a chancellor into an emperor. But they didn't need to make him that stupid. That's all I'm saying. Here's, here's the thing about Jar Jar. Uh, for for decades now, well, decades, yeah, for a decade yeah. and a half, whatever. It's we've all reviled Jar Jar, and yet it turns out in reality there are worse characters than Jar Jar uh, in the halls of legislatures. I mean, seriously, at least Jar Jar is mildly entertaining, as opposed to Marge, exactly. So you know. It's, it's not that bad. I mean, I, I have more empathy for Jar Jar now than, than I used to because, you know, we, we've seen that there can be more stupid creatures in reality in positions of power. So, you yeah. know, who knew how prophetic uh, the Phantom Menace would be? Sadly true. Sadly true. Because this week, I'm not even editing this bit. This week was shit. <laughs> As far as that's concerned. Normally, I beep things like that out. This week, no, I'm not. You'll have to deal with it. Get over it. Yeah. Read it. I would say read a newspaper. God, I'm old. Okay. Attack (laughs) of the Clones. I'm not going to do Attack of the Clones nearly as much because I didn't have uh, as much of a problem with it. I I mean, the main thing I had a problem with is uh, why did Django Fett, the biggest, baddest bounty hunter on the in this universe, hire another bounty hunter to go kill Padme Armadillo. <laughs> I, I, 
I never understood that. He couldn't be bothered. He he outsourced it. Well, and then followed her around to shoot her later. With the the uh, with the little the 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 Camino dart. Is that is that what they were called? I think. Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. Dodge dart, something like that. Dodge dart. Reliant Robin, maybe. Um, <clears throat> there was a line that also worried me. Actually, there's one line that worried me, and one line that just flat out pissed me off. <laughs> the one that annoyed me was when we get reintroduced to Obi Wan and Anakin, and Padme looks at Anakin and goes, "Oh my God, Annie, is that you? Well, you'll always be that little boy back on Tatooine." Later, she bangs him and gets pregnant and gets married and all this stuff. I'm thinking, if he's still the little boy on Tatooine, mm-hmm. Padme, pedophile, put her on a list somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Wars has a long, long history of inappropriate sexual desires. I mean, starting with the very beginning, because George knew this was a trilogy of trilogies, and yet almost had Leia and Luke get uh, frisky. So, yeah. you know... Yeah, they don't plan things very well, as you said. Yeah, although they, I, I, I want to say that I think my favorite scene in this movie is the bar scene where they're going after that bounty hunter, Zam Wessel. Apparently, I had to look that up. In the bar, there's a couple of interesting cameos, and I'm not talking about Jar Jar out of his makeup or C-3PO out of out of the. I'm gonna call it his armor. They're both in that scene, but also. And this is going back to Akira and Dune. Same universe. Mouse from the Matrix is in this. <laughs> he, he's the one who walks That's up to cool. Obi-Wan and goes, hey, you want to buy some death sticks? I don't want to buy some death sticks. Uh, you don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. That's Mouse from the original <laughs> Matrix movie. He died and was reborn back in Star Wars. Or did he die in Star Wars and was reborn in the Matrix? Hmm. We'll have to ask Akira. Anyway, actually, on the the other thing I liked about the bar scene in the background was a classic Atari video game, but not being played in eight bit that we had to deal with. But it was a Star Wars quality generated version of Cyberball twenty ninety nine. Great game. I sucked at it. I threw tons of quarters at it, but I sucked at that game. Oh, I didn't say I was good at it, but it was a great game. <laughs> it was a great game to watch, though. And actually, my, the last bit I'm going to complain about for Attack of the Clones, which I still think you should probably watch at some point, just so you can get to episodes four, five, and six, because four, five, and six are great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, two, and three kind of get you some background story. You don't need them. But my annoyance... Five and six are great, great and a half. But anyway, yes, your yeah. annoyance. My annoyance was with... When they, when they got the dart out of Zam Wessel's body, where did Obi-Wan go to look up what it was? To the Jedi archives? No, he went to a diner. Really? We talked to a guy named Dex. Dex's diner. And what did Dex do in a previous life? Dex was a miner. Where, really? As in mining, not as in young kind of thing that Padme goes after. Anyway... He was able to identify it as a Camino dart, and he recognized it because he used to do some mining beyond the outer rim. 
Now, that's the line I have a lot of a problem with because a lot of the planets, you know, Coruscant, Alderaan, and all that stuff are in the inner rim where everything is kind of, you know, th th that's the big stuff. That's where it is, all the in the inner rim. And then beyond the inner rim is the outer rim. And beyond the outer rim is more outer rim. Apparently. There is not a beyond the, it's kind of like, oh, it's outside New York. Pompeii is outside New York. Neptune is outside New York. Anything that's not in New York is outside New York. Beyond the outer rim is just more outer rim. <laughs> if you're going to tell us crap like this, be a little bit more specific. You're more specific with other crap. Be more specific with this. That irked me. <laughs> well, it was Dex the Miner's Diner, so what do you expect? Dex the Dex the Miner Diner, 49er. Anyway, yeah, the first two Star Wars movies. Skip them if you want to. Start with episode three. It'll, it tells you what's going on in the crawl in the beginning. You'll be fine. And you have to deal with a lot less Jar Jar that way. Which is a really good idea. Yeah. Only we could handle Anyway, never mind. We've, we've talked enough about Mark. I, I have. Uh, Talked way too much about this today. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. I watched uh, a couple things that are slightly newer than the films that you watched. Nothing wrong with it. Well, actually, there's a lot wrong with one of the films that you watched, but you already went into that. I rambled. Sorry. No, 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 no. Not at all. I'm, I'm just... It's just exasperating just thinking of The Phantom Menace. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I swear to God. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to move on the timeline. So I'm going to go back to the year 2013, which seems like how can I go back to 2013? But yeah, but sadly, we're way past that already. So back then, a really good movie came out, a science fiction film that stars a couple actors that I really like. And for some reason, I never watched it, despite fairly universal acclaim until this week. <clears throat> Not that that's much of a clue, but anyway, if there's spoilers here, again, this movie is nine years old, so deal with it. Uh, talking about the movie Her, as in, oh, it's her time, it's her place. It's, well, sadly, it's neither her time or her place anymore any, at all, but, you know, we've already talked about that. So this is a film starring Joaquin Phoenix and the voice of Scarlett Johansson and also Amy Adams. Not her voice, like her entire all of her is there. Yeah, she's entirely there, and she's very good in this film, too. It is about a writer of personal letters, which is a really great concept, for people who are uncomfortable, possibly, or incapable, or just not want to be bothered with writing a personal letter to friends, family, whatever. So there's this company that writes letters to people. He's a writer of these letters. He's a very good writer, and these letters are really, really good. He's sad. He's in the middle of – actually, he's at the end of a divorce. He doesn't want to get divorced, but he has to get divorced. He decides he needs a friend, and he sees an ad for a new kind of operating system. He's like, oh, this is interesting because it's personalized, and it learns and is sentient and becomes basically a person. So he thinks, okay, this might be fun. Enter Scarlett Johansson as Samantha, his personal OS. 
He gets in a relationship with Samantha. He gets in a romantic relationship with Samantha. And as you talked about, not in pre-pro, but in production. Hi, Ted. Uh, actually, it wasn't pre-pro, wasn't it? Anyway, whenever the hell it was. It gets to the point where if he was talking with Samantha on his phone, he could put the phone on vibrate and they could have yep, a yep. time together. Uh, which sounds really weird, but it's a Spike Jones movie, so of course it's really weird. This is a really, really not good film, but it's a great film because, again, writing's terrific. It's a character study of Joaquin Phoenix as Theodore. This lonely, sad, depressed guy who just desperately needs to be in a relationship and finds it in his OS, Samantha. It's a great character study of Samantha because she grows as time goes along because that's what they're designed to do. And also Amy Adams playing apparently herself because her name is Amy, which is kind of weird that they just went with that. But <clears throat> and she's interesting. She's she's a smaller part of the film, but she's she's pretty interesting. Uh, there are some other nice performers. Chris Pratt has a small part. I didn't even realize it's Chris Pratt in first at first because he's just kind of like there. It makes a quick offhand comment. Kristen Wiig is a voice of a uh, <clears throat> young lady that he's speaking to early before he comes across uh, Samantha the OS. It's kind of weird. Olivia Wilde is in it as a blind date. Looks lovely, lovely. Spike Jones himself appears <clears throat> as a fun little character in a game that uh, Theodore plays. But basically, it's about how their relationship develops and develops in surprising ways. In some cases, maybe not the way he'd hoped they would go. But it's just a fascinating movie. And it's interesting because we're getting close to the point where this could happen. I mean, there are programs out there now yeah. that, are that I mean, they're, they're text-based programs. As far as I know, I don't think there are any that vocalize, but where you can have conversations and they seem like you're just talking with a person. No, spam bots. Smarter, yeah, but and, and they're specialized just for you. So right, conversation with this random. They're not really AIs, but because they're programmed so well, they can respond to different things that come up interesting concept sad concept in a lot of ways but her is really really good won the oscar for best original screenplay um and a lot of times that's not necessarily a vote of of excellence because sometimes there are some weird oscar wins but has an 8.0 rating imdb which is pretty damn good really really good film uh has excellent music as well she imagine spike jones movies have good music Good soundtrack. Very good. I went with another science fiction film for my second choice. This one just came out two weeks ago. By the way, sorry, hers on Netflix. This is also on Netflix. This is called Spiderhead, as in it takes place in the head of a spider, but only like, you know, not like it really, because that actually sounds like a Spike Jones film. Spiderhead is a research facility, a pharmaceutical research facility, but it's also a prison. So people who have been incarcerated for various crimes are given the option to go to Spiderhead because it has much more freedom, but they have to participate in this drug study. So, stars Miles Teller as one of the prisoners, and <clears throat> Mr. 
Thor himself as the head of the pharmaceutical company. Although you don't really realize that at first. He just appears to be the guy running the program, but it turns out it's really his his whole thing. So it's kind of cool to see Chris Hemsworth not having to be super buff, although the guy can't help it. But I'm just saying, you know, he doesn't, like, flex his 18,000-foot deep biceps that much. But uh, he just plays a regular character as opposed to a godly figure. So it's nice to see him just play something other than Thor. I love the character of Thor. It just proves that, oh, this guy can do something else, which is fine. Uh, Has a range. I'll tell you right now. By the way, the only two good reasons, <clears throat> only two good reasons to watch Ghostbusters Answer the Call, I think is actually the title of the much reviled one that had the female leads, Melissa McCarthy and Chris Hedwig. Right. A really bad movie. But it's not because it's lived by females. It's because the writing is terrible. Except... Chris Hemsworth has great lines, and he's hilarious in it. And Kate McKinnon also has great lines, and she's hilarious in it. So watch, like, mm, eh. selectively watch the movie. Just listen to their lines, and you'll enjoy it, and just block everything else out. And it's like, actually, someone should edit that version of the film, because that would be terrific. Uh, back to probably Spider-Man. on YouTube. Probably is. Back to Spiderhead. So they're doing this research, and have this little pack on your back. And it injects chemicals, and they're studying chemicals to see if they can give you a drug that makes you happy, give you a drug that makes you angry, give you a drug that makes you wild and want to copulate with a person that you don't know, to put it in more family-friendly terms. Uh, Google that one, kids. It's, you know, If you're in first grade, you might have to. Uh, and things start to go south because, you know, that's what happens turns out that he's really studying something else, and Miles Teller gradually figures that out as we go along. Miles Teller is very good in this film, too. I like him a lot. It's not like I'm going to go watch, oh, look, it's a Miles Teller film. I have to go see it. Typically, I, I, I have not seen a bad performance by him, including the terrible Fantastic Four movie. He was okay in that movie. It wasn't his fault. that, that It wasn't was his bad. fault. He And actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, I also have to mention two more actors. Journey Smollett as the love interest. Very, very good in this film. And surprisingly, Nathan Jones shows up in, in this film. He plays a big hulking brute. Shocker, right? It's, there's not much else he could play because he is a large hulking person. He's actually pretty damn funny in this movie. So it's nice to see that this guy actually can do a little acting as opposed to, what was it, Mutai Giant? Mutai Giant? That he, that he, some terrible freaking movie. He, he, he delved into pro wrestling briefly, and he was awful as a pro wrestler. And if you can't act as a pro wrestler, it kind of makes you think, how could you possibly act in a film? But he's, he's, he's developed. He's actually decent in this. Anyway, Spiderhead, it wasn't great. But I did enjoy it. It's pretty good. It only has like a 5.4 on IMDb, but yeah, I don't agree. I would, I would say it's like three stars out of out of four or th- eh, three out of five, whichever you want, which I know only makes it like six or seven, but whatever. It was enjoyable. It was worth watching. If you got Netflix and a couple hours, technically one hour and 46 minutes, you could spend much, much worse much worse time doing things that aren't watching Spiderhead. That made so much sense that you've got to keep that in. Anyway, Spiderhead yeah. was 
was fun. Her is really, really good. They're both on Netflix. And you get to see like five or six minutes of Nathan Jones acting pretty well, which is which is amazing in itself. That alone is worth an extra star at IMDb to me. And uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are both available on Disney+. And I'm actually going to change the ending of the show ever so slightly because, yeah, I mean, yeah, COVID is still out there. But I want to talk about something else this week. Yes. Uh, Disney has announced that it will cover the cost of women's health issues. Whereas our government seems to like uh, taking those away. So let's uh, let's do a little support of Disney this week. Ignore the Phantom Menace. Honestly, you can watch it if you want to. If you're a diehard Star Wars fan, go right ahead. Attack of the Clones, maybe. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is now available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. Knock yourself out. And go buy a $6 cup of coffee because Starbucks is another one of those companies that is supporting travel for women who may have have certain health issues coming up and pretty easy to google that but uber netflix box.com levi ooh, comcast how about that warner brothers nike kroger so some major uh, major, major companies so interesting and i'll leave you with this last one that i saw on that list dick's sporting goods yeah i was going to mention that you um, know what we had to. <laughs> yes, because we're, I don't know, 12? I guess we are. I don't know. Just, just the excuse to say, Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah. That'll do. Good night. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am... Very disappointed! Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Darn, that's the end.